Oh, snap. Of course we're going to do a bonus episode for Halloween. Another bonus episode for Halloween? Yeah, well, just like last time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's we're celebrating the anniversary of our fucking show, and that is yeah. so cool. I can't believe we've been at it for a year. That's so crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, we haven't missed a single week. Which is fucking we wild. We were only late once, and that's because the episode went up on time, but then there was a technical fuck-up, so I had to delay yeah, the it. the weird echo? Yeah, yeah. In our purge episode? That's when we stopped uh, recording two mics, because uh, the problem with doing two mics when you don't have any kind of um, buffer between you and you're sitting at a table across from each other is both mics pick up everything. Mm-hmm. So, um... Yeah, we're, we've got our shared mic, and it's been sounding a lot better, I think. I think so. Yeah. I mean, you know, after a little bit of audio tweaking, but mm-hmm. hey, we're professionals here. That's oh, what yeah. we try to go for. <laughs> we're unpaid professionals. We're interns here. Yeah, I guess. If, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. But I hope you didn't think we were going to leave you high and dry on Halloween without mm-hmm. anything to listen to. Um, this week we are doing an episode that I... I think I had written down in our original, like our OG list of <laughs> what do we want to do, and I thought, fuck, we're going to have to wait a whole year to do this, and now that we've waited a year, I realize there is not that much content <laughs> there. So it's The a, payoff is not there. Yeah, so it's going to be a combination episode where we're going to do our, our topic, then we're also going to do a bit of a like reflection on the a retrospective. Year. Yeah, a retrospective. A very hoity-toity, let's suck our own dick fest. Yeah. And I'm excited for that. Yeah, it should be fun. Yeah. Cool. Okay, so I guess before we get to that, we should maybe do our our topic. We are discussing, if you hadn't figured out from the title, we're doing horror movies that feature or are set during Halloween parties. And we're having a party. Yeah, we're having a party while we party down with these Halloween parties. It's funny, I came up with this thinking we're going to have like a wealth of things to do, because I had in my head that there was a wealth of movies, but then when it came down to the line, it was like, uh, we pretty much did what we could. Like, there was maybe one or two movies that didn't make the cut, but Mm -hmm. there was really only one movie in mind, I guess, and that's (laughs) the third movie we'll discuss tonight, but I guess first off, we watched 2007's Murder Party from (laughs) Jeremy Saulnier, I think it's pronounced. Um, Green Room guy. Green Room, yeah. I'd seen this first, actually. Like, this is his first movie, and it was the first one of his I'd seen. But mm-hmm. I didn't know it was... Like, I didn't have that context, of course. Cause right, because Green Blue Room... Blue Rune and Green Room didn't exist right. when I saw this. But it's one of those things that I remembered it, and then I was like, wait, it's that fucking guy? Because <laughs> you can't really get further opposite as no. far as uh, horror flicks go. Honestly, uh, that's... Uh... Yeah, I, I wouldn't... Like, if you would show me this movie and be like, oh, like... You know who directed Guess this? Who made Guess it. who made it? I would have been like, I don't know, like the person who made the like 2006 or whatever 2007 Wizard of Gore. Like, okay, it's not that bad. <laughs> That's mean. That is fucking mean. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I enjoy parts of this movie. Yeah. I think I had a bit more of a nostalgia trip for it than um, like maybe you remembered it as being. Kind yeah, of because this was the- <laughs> uh, su- like a surprise when I watched it with. Uh, my good friend Chris, who was with us on the Evil Dead episode, Chris mm-hmm. and Kelsey, we watched this together when it was semi-new, and it was, uh, we didn't know what the fuck we were watching kind of <laughs> deal, but there were a lot of laughs along the way. Mm-hmm. And it's funny, the parts that stood out to me as, like, 
ridiculously funny when we saw it the first time were kind of flat for me this time, and I was laughing at different stuff that I had no idea was in there. Hmm. So it kind of shows how I've changed in about the 10 years or so since I saw it. Yeah. Like, the part that killed me the most the first time I saw it was when he's in the supply closet and he's looking around at everything. It looks like he's cooking up this huge plan. And then when they open the door, he just throws a bunch of garbage at them and runs away. (laughs) Yeah, that was great. And I was just like, oh, (laughs) okay. (laughs) But then I was just losing my mind at the, um, what I felt was, like, just a great scathing indictment of pretentious art crowds. Like, I loved that narrative thread. That was fun. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah. Did you want to give a quick plot... (laughs) Uh, yeah, we have this loner dude who get the, I don't know, he, he looks like a divorced author in my opinion, but <laughs> apparently then, he works for the NYPD. Yeah, I love that when you found out he was a cop, you were just like a fucking course. <laughs> <laughs> but he's not even a real cop, he's like a parking cop or something, yeah. like he writes tickets. And, um, he finds, does he, somebody hand it to him or does he find it? No, he finds it. it. Okay, I thought he you found it. You were very it. busy with your crochet I was, I like, yeah, so I was like, I'm pretty sure he finds it, but I actually like, you know, one of those blink and miss it kind of things. Or yeah. look down at your crochet and miss it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, he finds this invitation to a, a murder party for Halloween, and he's like, oh, like, I don't know, brings it home, and then, and eventually later decides, like, yeah, I'm a fucking loner with nothing to do on Halloween, I'm gonna put on this weird, like, night costume made out of cardboard and show up at this murder party Yeah, with pumpkin bread. <laughs> and he filled with fucking raisins. Yeah, yeah. Which is, they're just like, oh yeah, this guy deserves to die. <laughs> <laughs> Shows up at the murder party and finds out that he's going to be the murder victim. Yeah, it's a literal murder party. And not only is it a party, it's more of a murder art installation. Because there's a bunch of fledgling artists that are like, we are creating true art by murdering this dude. Yeah, this this movie is like, was maybe trying to go for like what Cecil B. Demented did, but... Mm-hmm. didn't succeed the same way yeah i think he described it as like this is like cecil b demented if i hated the entire gang true yeah yeah because i actually like the gang and cecil b oh, demented they're they're endearing they're funny whereas these guys are like wow i hate them all like oh especially that alexander dude. oh alex oh my fucking Alexander's i hate the fucking him worst. i hate him so much i hate him so much too oh he fucking sucks so kudos to the dude who played alexander yeah. because that was a great performance of we fucking hate this guy. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I mean that sincerely. Like, yes. dude did a good job of playing a total douchebag. Oh, absolutely. No, that dude fucking sucked out loud, so. Yeah. yeah, good job. Yeah. Assuming you're not like that in real life. Yeah. <laughs> you were just playing yourself. I, I, I Gonna give I'm the benefit of the doubt. Err on the side of caution that, that this was a, a just a good performance. Mm-hmm. And then this is one of those sort of comedy of errors thing where what should be very simple, because they have the dude fucking chained to a goddamn chair, what should be very simple just goes off the rails as things keep getting worse and worse because <laughs> of, like, boneheaded. It's one of those things where people make stupid decisions, but it only works for the movie as opposed to against mm-hmm. it. It's not like your typical, like, oh, that was a dumb decision, now you die in a slasher movie thing. Right. It was, like, that's that was kind of the joke. Yeah. It's like, oh, of course fucking Alexander is demanding to get some crank before he actually kills again. Like, yeah. of course, this is this doesn't seem like, oh, what a stupid decision. It's out of place. It's like, no, this guy would. This like guy the dude outside would. with the fucking like latex mask who's been drinking all night, who's just like, time to smoke in this rubber mask. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was excellent. Now that I'm thinking about it like back... It's, I think it's one of those things that it was a really funny movie at the script stage, and it's just yeah. how much of it translates and that, stuff, because that's fair. I, I feel like I'm laughing about it, enjoying it a little more now than I did 
watching it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like as and, you're recalling stuff, it's like, oh, yeah. that's actually super funny. Yeah, like but, I, th- I feel like part of it is they were hampered by a really low budget, clearly. That's true, that's um, true. And they did a good job with what they had. Absolutely. That's what comes across, at least. Yes, that's where I'll, I'll, I'll give definitely give them credit mm-hmm. over, say, Wizard of Gore yeah. or something. I was just being mean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Meanie pants. Well, there's got to be one movie a year that's just like, makes us regret our choices. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um... As far as the Halloween party goes, the Halloween party itself takes a back seat for sure because it turns into this art show kind of thing. But we see another Halloween party a bit later that's put on by an art crowd, like a bigger, <laughs> more established art crowd. Like yes. these people are outsiders to that outsider mm-hmm. kind of thing. And so we do get lots of the people in ridiculous costumes. And, and can I just say the costumes? I, I did really like the costume choices for the main crowd. Like, I like the references in there. You had Bill, who was dressed as one of, like, the, the Furies from, like, the Warriors, like the Baseball Furies. Hmm. Um, you had Lexi dressed as, uh, I want to say, Daryl Hannah in Blade Runner. It's been forever since I've seen oh, that. Oh, okay. Um, but a lot of the costume choices were references. And then... You saw, like, the the guy who was dressed as the vampire put in, like, had, like, the resin fangs and he was all done up. Yeah. Like, whereas, um, Macon just had a fucking latex mask on and was wearing an old dingy hoodie and stuff. And it's just like the dude bought a party store mask and that's where he stopped. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that was the amount of effort he put in. Yeah, so I thought that that was great because, uh, like, I think of one of my all-time favorite movies for, was a big Halloween party scene, um, Primal Rage, mm-hmm. where everyone in this little college campus, all the costumes were clearly done by this super awesome effects team. I'm talking, like, the people that did the effects. They did, like, E.T., so they're Academy Award winner right. effects people. Yeah. the Those effects guys did the costumes. So it's like, oh, here's some college people. They're homemade costumes that look ridiculous. No one would ever have the time or money to do that. There'd be, like, one person on campus that has a costume that good. But everyone had those outrageous costumes, so it looks great, but it's mm-hmm. just completely unbelievable. I don't know, maybe at, like, some, like, Ivy school or Ivy League school where you just have to, like, pay to get in. Yeah, that's definitely not the kind of school this place <laughs> is, though. Um, but in this one, this resembled more the Halloween parties I went to, minus the uh, art elitism and right. the uh, murder. That's fair. But the crowd looked familiar, that's for sure. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. What did you think of the use of Halloween in this movie? Um, I thought it was, like, clever, I guess, where it's, um, it's taking that, like, oh, yeah, Halloween's a good time for murder, but it's not really doing that out of, like, a ritualistic aspect. No, it's just that's, like, that's why the point. fuck not? I mean, at some point he does make reference to, like, the witching hour, but that's specifically yeah. when he's like, okay, that, I need to... That's for art cred. <laughs> it is, and it's also specifically when he's like, okay, I need to distract them until my drugs arrive. It's the witching hour, let's read Edgar Allan Poe. Like, it's, it was just bullshit, which that was hilarious. That was so fucking great. He's like, before we begin, I'm gonna, re- I'm gonna quote verbatim the entirety of Edgar Allan Poe's The Raven. Right, yeah, and they're just like, what the fuck? I love how they all look like, what the fuck, and you audibly are like, oh, God. God. <laughs> yeah, it was so cringe, and I said that as someone who digs Edgar Allan Poe, you know, but it was so funny. But you cringe. know he's one of those, like, mall goths who's just like, oh, yeah, man, I love Poe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it was, just for, like, the cred. <laughs> it was funny. Oh, fuck. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Maybe this will work a lot better for some people and others. Like, uh, I, I will say it's a really witty script. Yes. And a lot of the ideas are there. It's just that the the 
you can also sort of tell this is a first-time outing kind mm-hmm. of thing. Like, a very polished for a first-time outing. I've yes. attempted to do a first-time outing, and it's a nightmare. <laughs> so it's one of those things where it's like... like good on you. Good on you. But it, it's... It would be interesting to see someone handle this script. Like, maybe even the same director mm-hmm. now. Yeah, kind of yeah. Um, just because some of the ideas I felt like weren't fully realized. Mm-hmm. Or they didn't quite come across. Like, it's like, it felt... A lot of times I felt like, it's like, I get what you're going for. Right. And it, that was more my reaction than genuine laughs. Or, right, it was kind of the reaction to, like, the missed potential of what could have been. Yeah, yeah. With so a bigger budget or more experience or, you know, whatever. Yeah, like, I'm not trying to say it's in any way a bad movie sure. or anything. Yeah. I, I want to say it's on Shudder. It might be on Netflix. I'm not sure. Mm. But it's on some streaming platform we have access to. Okay. Um. So, you know, if... Uh, you can find it on streaming. I'd say it's worth a sit down. Yeah, it's watch, it's, it's yeah. funny. Like it's fun yeah. for sure, but it's yeah, it tickles that uh, Halloween fancy yeah. kind of thing. Cool, cool, cool. Sipping right along to our next movie. This made me realize that I feel like your bar for what's cursed is very low because <laughs> there's so many times you're like, "This is so cursed," and I'm thinking like, "Oh, I never had that reaction, even in like, I didn't have the language for that." You know, <laughs> but it's one of those things where it's like I wouldn't have guessed. But now that you're pointing out, it's like, yeah, it's pretty cursed. <laughs> uh, we watched 1999's Idle Hands. So did I just lower your bar? Is what you're saying? You or? may have lowered my bar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's one of those things where you were going like, "That's so cursed," and it's like I never thought that was. Cursed. I just thought it was like a dumb comedy. <laughs> In the context of our the year of our Lord twenty nineteen, it's it's pretty fucking cursed. Yeah, twenty years later, how is it aged? I'm extremely cursed. Oh, there is a lot of stuff that did not age well. That's this movie. true. Like we're not exactly the crowd. It's like your typical like dumb male comic. Yeah, relief stoner kind bro, of thing. Kinda, like stoner bro. Yeah, you know, like excuse me, I like refined stoner comedy. That's why I watch Broad City. Exactly. <laughs> um. Which I guess Seth Green was in an excellent episode of. He was, he was. Um, This fucking movie, it's, you know, it was pitched to me as, like, the pothead comedy version of that one scene in Evil Dead 2. And I was like, okay, and that's kind of what it is. Like, we've got Anton, played by Devin Sawa, of Final Destination fame. Hell yeah. He's uh, a total layabout pothead, lives at home, doesn't do shit. It, like, just does not go to school. Yeah. he's a high schooler. And he's completely oblivious to the murder spree that's going on. Like, it's constantly in the news, and he just doesn't even notice kind of thing. Yeah. And then when we find out that it's that his hand is possessed, and his evil, demented hand is causing the murders, it's like, that's so fucking stoner of him, where it's just <laughs> like, not only is he not aware of this big crime scene that's crime spree that's gripping the small town but he is the perpetrator and he's just like uh i'm checked out yeah well yeah he doesn't even like his parents are murdered and he's like oh i guess they went out of town or something and as their bodies are on display in his house yeah but he's just like oh these are like halloween decorations like there's the blood on the ground that's like spelling out the name of the killer kind of thing (laughs) there's the cats eating the eyeball and he just like didn't even notice this stuff. Yeah, he's so aloof. Doesn't even notice the bloody knife until he goes to make himself the most disgusting sandwich in the history of sandwiches. <laughs> what was it? It was like Wonder Peter. Bread with mayo and bologna. Yeah, that sounds right. <laughs> and I'm not saying bologna. I'm saying bologna. It's that fucking like vacuum-packed grease shit that like, if that's your jam, that's awesome. But you, <laughs> you, even as like, yeah, yeah, I know I don't eat meat, blah, blah, blah. But even if I did, you have standards. it's like, I would rather have the no budget chicken slices in the vacuum pack. That's all greasy. Thank you very much. <laughs> Fair enough. 
I think maybe that's because I worked in a deli for a while, and the bologna was really the lowest grade thing right. there. Or when I worked at Subway, there was the um, cold cut combo kind mm-hmm. of thing. And that was, like, you know when they say, like, when you see behind the, the, the veil and you see what's really going on at restaurants and stuff, you, you like, won't want to eat, eat there. there anymore? Subway was fine. I worked there and it was like, I'd eat pretty much anything here except that fucking cold cut combo because Ooh. it came in this vacuum packed little grease thing. <laughs> or, no, I wouldn't eat the fucking uh, tuna or seafood oh, yeah. one either, no. but that's more because it was, like, half mayo. Ooh. Like, the tuna was actual tuna. And... Which still disgusts me. But... Yeah, yeah, but I mean... <laughs> I know quali- you used to eat that, from so... From a quality standpoint, right. it's, it was You're like, more it's, than mayo. It is food, not just food product. Where the seafood and crab was that imitation Alaskan Pollock with orange dye kind of thing. Right. Yeah. Anyway, that's... Wow, that's a tangent. <laughs> so anyway, world's grossest sandwich... And uh, that's when he finally notices things are up because he eats a mouthful of bloody blood. mayonnaise. And it's, it's just the nastiest shit ever. Bloody mayonnaise. 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 <laughs> shit. Do I say it weird? No, no, no. You said mayonnaise and then I just wanted to say mayonnaise. But do we say it weird? <laughs> or is mayonnaise the... the, the Man-ass. <laughs> Manyas. There's, the, there's the cool little tilde Man-yaz. over the end. Um, no, idle hands. Uh, this... What was so cursed about this? Like, other than the... Other than, like, everything? I was gonna say, okay, like, I wouldn't say it was cursed so much as, like, crude datedness, but, you know, like, the constant, right. like, like, <laughs> pussy, yeah. Right, yeah. No, it wasn't that so much, just, like, I don't know, some of the situational stuff, I guess. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm trying, I can't even think of a specific example because I, st- I think I just, like, uttered that so many times. I remember you times. said that, especially during the, um, climax when, uh, Jessica Elba was pinned to the roof of the car, <laughs> and there's the fucking little puppet thing that was just like, <laughs> like, pulling the lever, trying to smush her into the ceiling. Yeah, yeah, that was pretty, it was like, it was like, thing from the Adams Family, but like, evil and on steroids. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, um. I'm pretty sure you said it during the murder of his friends, too. Oh, yeah, I think it was just so, some of the, like, situational stuff was just yeah. so ridiculous, and yeah. there, but... But you know it was a comedy, right? Yes, yes, okay, yes, okay. But, there, but there's just something about it where in the, like, seeing something that's absolutely absurd happening, but having everybody taking it seriously, like, oh my god, this is actually serious and yeah. happening... If it hits just the right combination it, of situational it just, it just factors, it, okay, it just becomes okay. cursed. Okay, and gotcha. I usually and I, I usually say that in a way that is like a mix of praise and <laughs> detraction, right. where it's just like, oh my fucking god, are you kidding me? But like <laughs> in that like so bad it's good kind yeah, of way. Yeah, yeah. Versus I have called stuff cursed and be like, no, this just like sucks ass. Right. And it's cursed and in, in not in a good way. Like I felt like uh, a certain movie that will go unmentioned, even though we've mentioned it several times already <laughs> in this episode. Yeah. That was one that you're like, this is fucking cursed. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Like I th- thought that like, for example, like Suffer Little Children was fucking cursed oh, and i loved so it good. Oh. yeah it's so funny but it's, it's pretty cursed so i guess one day one day we're gonna have to have an episode dedicated to like the semantics of cursed oh i love the semantics it. of cursedness let's see if we can get one of my like english props i get the one who's <laughs> semiotics, semiotics and stuff and it's just like so what is cursed <laughs> halloween party in this one it's sort of like in the background for most of the movie where it's mm-hmm. like, hey, we, there's curfew on the Halloween because of the murders, so all we've got is the shitty high school dance and yeah. all that stuff. Which and is so, a Halloween party, I suppose, yeah, in a way. Yeah. That, that's it's not my, a house party. That but... was my reasoning for including yeah. it. Uh, but I love the Halloween party in this for how fucking 90s it is. It's so <laughs> 90s teen movie because it's like 
a Halloween version of a fucking, like, movie version of prom totally. sort of thing. But the band they get to fucking play is The Offspring, mm-hmm. and they're doing a cover of The Ramones, <laughs> and it's just like... This is so fucking 90s. Like, yes. I, I gotta say, I, not to knock on them or anything, Mm-mm. but I don't think of the offspring very much in the year 2019. Like, every once in a while they come they up come and up, it's like, yeah. and it's just like, I remember when they were big, or it's like, I, oh, it reminds me of high school kind of thing, right? Right. But it's one of those things where it's just like, oh yeah, they were the fucking hot band to have playing your Halloween party. Apparently. Sort of thing. Um, but their cameo is actually really funny because mm-hmm. they get uh, worked into the plot a little they bit. They do. And it's fun. I, I enjoyed that moment for mm-hmm. sure. Um, even though I think when I first saw this, I didn't make the connection that they were the offspring because I had heard of them as a radio. Like, oh, they have songs on the radio. Right. And that was my extent of knowledge of okay. them. Where I say that I think there's a bit of that high school nostalgia going there where I like their music now more than I ever did when, you, when like, they were the current. Mo- oh, you know? I see. And when I would have seen, seen the, movie, the movie, yeah. Because yeah. it's just like, oh yeah, I remember these tunes. Whereas then it's just like, nope. Of course, I was the asshole, and this is such a shame to admit. <laughs> I was the asshole that at one point in my life I generally said, or genuinely said, I don't get why people like music. It's so pointless. Like, I said that <laughs> in my life, and that's ridiculous now that I'm someone who, like, plays instruments and composes music and listens to music nonstop, non-stop. kind of thing. So, you know, shame on you, little shitlord me when I was a tiny little <laughs> shitlord. <laughs> yeah, overall thoughts on this one? Uh, I feel like it hasn't aged as well as I thought. Like, I, I didn't dig it as much as I used to kind of thing. Maybe that's part of where the cursedness comes from, where it's just like, oh, this was funny at some point. Yeah. And it's just The like, parts that were funny, like genuinely they funny, were, were still fucking absolutely. hilarious. But they felt, I felt like there were a lot more jokes that didn't land or stuff mm-hmm. that is just like, that doesn't but yeah, like, oh god, the queer phobia though. Yeah, like where the, it's just like, so you knit now. You know, this totally makes you look queer, right? Yeah, like it's like, oh yeah, but I, again, is it a, like 90s or 2000s comedy if there isn't at least like one transphobic joke, one yeah. joke of calling a guy fucking gay? Isn't that funny how like when they say like the F word or like a gay slur yeah, in maybe. like an 80s movie, we almost laugh because it's like, holy shit, of course they did that. It was the 80s. But when they do it in a 90s movie, it's just like, you should have known it's better like, by now. It's like, come the fuck on, <laughs> like, man. What year was this? Please. Like, 90s homophobia is just like, okay, we get it. Whereas 80s homophobia, it's like, oh, right, nostalgia in a really fucked up way. Because <laughs> I know that um, in our last movie, there were a couple of those that made us laugh kind of thing. Yeah. And it's just like, same jokes were dropped in fucking idle hands, and we just right. kind of rolled our eyes at them. And I guess I can also think of, like, it, it depends on, the, on, like, the context and who's saying it, even, because there are cases where, like, you know, for, for example, in Idle Hands, we're like, oh, dude, you knit now? That, that's really queer. It makes me think of the time that our friend Amy was over, who's been on a couple of episodes, and she saw my, like, pile of yarn, and she was like, girl, you gay. You fucking <laughs> gay. I'm sorry. And just, so, and it's like, that's kind of the same thing, but it wasn't in, like, a, in a... There's totally there different wasn't in a degrading way. It, and it was coming sure. from someone else who's also fucking gay, so, yeah, yeah it's, like, they're just different in, like, the power that's being used, yeah, and, yeah, like, yeah. is it being used as, like a, like, a neutral or good thing versus a negative thing, and, like... But I, it just sometimes it's funny because you're, like, even watching it, and you're like, okay, if there's a different person saying this, 
they're not wrong. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Like, the way this, this makes you really look queer. It's like, I don't, I take issue with this, even though in a different context. It's totally, it's like, it, right, like, it makes me think of, um. Just don't be, like, an asshole. Yeah. Be, like, more like, that makes you look queer as a compliment, because fuck yeah, being queer is a fucking totally. compliment. Only cool, excellent things are gay, to quote the essential dykes to watch out for by, yeah. uh. Alison Bechtel. But and when I say queer is a compliment, I realize it's also used as a slur and people yes. take issue with that. Like I'm not trying to say that yes. that's not Don't a don't thing. go around calling people that word if you don't have their consent and like know that they're okay with but it. But I know in the way that we use it in particular in the title of our mm-hmm. show is it's like, no, being queer is a fucking good thing. Like it's that transformative. Is how we are contextualizing it. Totally. Being queer is good. You wanna call me queer? Fucking great I am and it rules. Yeah, bitch. But yeah, it makes me think of, um, we had a friend who told us a story one time where she was like, oh, I was hanging out with the wrong crowd because she was hanging out with a bunch of, uh, like straight guy or straight people. I love that straight people are the wrong crowd. <laughs> <laughs> well, the wrong crowd for this joke because they were playing a board game and nobody picked the, p- picked the pink piece. And so she makes some comment like, oh, that's because it's gay. And we burst out laughing. She's like, see, you guys found it funny, but because I was a straight people, they just looked at me and they're like. You know, that's, like, not okay to say, right? And she's like, are you fucking kidding me? Straight people telling the, the the one queer person there that they're being, like, Like, homophobic. homophobic. And she's just like, are you fucking... Whereas if you had said that in, like, our group, we would have all been cackling our As pants we were, off. Yeah. Exactly. So, but again, it's context. It's, like, power. Yeah. It's... There's so many factors. So there's things where it's, like, you're not wrong, but you're not allowed to say that. <laughs> I feel like that's, like, a good uh, summation of the word queer in totally, itself. Totally, yeah. It's just, like... I think contextually it's an amazing word, and contextually mm-hmm. it can be a very harmful word. A it very just, violent word, and a very, yeah. like, yeah, absolutely. So, you know. Yeah. Totally. Uh, we haven't actually gotten any blowback, at least none voiced at us, about using that as our title. True. Um, and uh, I'm hoping that people kind of get the context of it mm-hmm. in, in our title, but if they don't, I'm hoping this clarifies it yeah. a little bit. Because and I don't know, I mean, like, we came about at a time where it's like, suddenly people were like oh queer horror like it's it's yeah. kind of in i guess that broader yes. conversation almost, that's it was being had in vogue like hasn't queer horror okay i'm getting ahead of ourselves because we're going to get into the retrospective here <laughs> maybe we should do the last movie first but first sure. idle hands um i enjoyed it but i didn't think it aged as well as it could have yeah like i mean i think i, f- I found it maybe a bit more enjoyable than murder party okay as far as like the consistency of kind right. of the goofs and stuff uh, but yeah, I, I mean, exactly. Like it's a it's a '90s stoner bro comedy, yeah. so of course there's stuff in it that has not aged well at yeah. all. But um, it's 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 fun and cursed and like all those things. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Cool. It was a good time. Okay, our last movie we watched. May, the main reason we we did this episode mm-hmm. was 1988's Night of the Demons. Hell yeah! Now this is a fucking Halloween party horror movie. Yes, hundred percent. Uh, what about this fucking movie? Like... <laughs> Everything? <laughs> um... Well, I love the, like, presumably unintentional lesbian representation. Oh, where my God. You yeah, have, yeah, yeah. So you have the girl hosting the party. I can't remember her Angela. Name. Angela, thank Angela. you. <laughs> Different Angela. Yeah. Who's, like, all gothed out, and, and you know, they, they comment on her, and they're like, oh, you know, I think she's just, like you know, teenager who, you know, she's finding her identity. She's kind of looking for attention. So she dresses all spooky, you know, she's harmless, whatever. And they play her off of Linnea Quigley's character, 
mm-hmm. who is like dressed in pink and all frilly and like showing off her underwear and that very sort of like tease kind of like yeah. trope or whatever who's you know showing it all off but right. hard to get kind of thing and they're best friends and so they play off each other in such a funny way where Linnea Quigley's character will be like oh I hope there are cute boys coming and then Angela comes in and is like yeah so we can scare them <laughs> it's like part. the priority I'm like Angela we love you we love yeah. representation we love visibility thank you so much that was such a good moment too but <laughs> but yeah just hearing her say that and just laughing like lesbian it's funny too because Alinea Quigley was like so hyper like girly girl almost mm-hmm. in like a very heteronormative way yes but I love her fucking voice it's got some like deep gravitas to it that I just at least when she's when she's like possessed absolutely but even then she's like I want to look good for the boys in this kind of way that's just like oh my god I love you (laughs) yeah yeah she's so funny yeah no it was a treat to see her in this again Mm -hmm. um yeah this one um to give a quick summary I guess it's so, t- like you said, it takes place at a Halloween party with a bunch of presumably high schoolers. They're, they're teens. Mm-hmm. They're youths. And so Angela is hosting this Halloween party at the local closed funeral home. Right. That's, you know, allegedly... Hull House. Hull House, yes. That is allegedly possessed. It's not haunted. It's possessed. possessed. They make that distinction they very clearly. Do. And it's um, built on top, or built... The, the border of it, you know, they're saying supposedly in the the history of the land, they're like... One of the cool things about this movie is that it's just, like, specifically, like, mentions, okay, like, colonialism and the white settlers and stuff. And I was like, oh, man, this is, like, good. And then they drop the S slur. Yeah. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? I know this is the 80s, but holy shit. But anyway, they're saying that um, the indigenous tribes that lived in the area for hundreds of years prior to Mm -hmm. colonization, even they were like, no, this land is fucked. Like, stay away from it. Stay on the other side of the underground. Like, the underground river that surrounds the property is almost, like the barrier and then so the fence the fence for the, the funeral home was built over like a, on top of the river it, it felt like it was taking the ancient indian burial ground yeah. trope but not in such a shitty way yeah it's not like oh yeah and then this it's like this is where they buried their dead and of course it's haunted or this because is, yeah. they're different from because they're, they're these like weird like yeah shamanistic like told, yeah yeah this really like sort of like orientalist i guess kind yeah. of or yeah yeah so that was, but yeah, that was an interest, that's a good point. It's an interesting take where it's sort of like, like they bring in that. It does that his, trope, but yes, in a different way. In a different way. Yeah. It's like, it's more in that like pet cemetery way where they're like, they said the ground here was sour. Yeah. Like where they're like, even they were like, mm, don't touch that shit. Like, yeah. and it still plays up that idea of like this connection to nature and these things yeah. that they just, like you said, the shamanistic, like this very like othering kind of mm-hmm. stuff. But yeah, it's not, like you said, it's not quite as shitty as the whole, like, oh, yeah, they come back from the dead because they're, like, these weird, uncultured, uncivilized, blah, you know, so on, so forth, bullshit tropes. I think I've said it before, but I'm saying it again just to put it out there so that way we can be held accountable. When you do an episode that's those movies that take that indigenous folklore in a really, like, shitty white person way and oh, just deconstruct yeah. it. That's a good idea. Or it's like you're either borrowing and appropriating stuff in a way that's classless or you're, well, I mean, it's appropriation, of course, it's classless. Um, or it's, like, you're being outright hostile. Like, fucking racist. racist <laughs> yeah. sort of thing. And, like, sort of deconstruct those movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so you see them sort of through, like, post-colonial or decolonial lens. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, you get that a lot with, like, Romani people, where it's just, like... Oh, God, Here's yeah. the gypsy curse, as they always say. Yeah. And it's fucked up. And here, that's even, like, because I don't think that's as, like, um... 
I guess, is there's much as much awareness sort of, of as like Romani and travel, like walking peoples yeah. as like distinct like cultural groups and stuff. Yeah. That here, you know, just throw around that word like willy nilly, yeah. whereas over like in Europe and stuff where there's, I guess, more visibility and stuff, like they still treat them like shit, but there is like awareness. And I that it's actually a slur and all that kind of stuff. Maybe, yeah, or at least like there's there's more visibility of like did the disenfranchisement that they face right. because mm-hmm. it, it's actively happening over there, whereas here, I'm I don't honestly don't know this yeah. like the, the, just the the population numbers aren't as big, so I don't know if what kind of specific like because I can right. think of instances in like various parts of Europe or the UK where it's like oh they did this or they did this and they like yes. you know destroyed the entire housing complex of a group that was outside of the city yeah and made them homeless and like stuff like that whereas here I'm like I don't actually know I would have to research yeah. that more so but yeah there's here it's maybe easier to see the quote-unquote gypsy as this like you know mystical storybook character there is as opposed to like removal. actual people yeah yeah but yeah, so Night of the Demons. Um, <laughs> I really dig the Halloween party in this one. Cause oh, it's it, so fun. It reminded me sort of of the uh, punks going to party in the graveyard in Return of the Living Dead kind oh, of vibe. Yeah. Where it's just like a bunch of never-do-gooders and they're <laughs> all gonna fucking break into this house and drink beer and blast music and dance. Because like, if I know anything about fucking parties from the 80s, it's that's what you do. You put on the music and you dance. And drink. Usually to, like, the punk music and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Show um, what a baddie you are. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Show that you're, you're like, stooge. Because there, there are some, like, Chads and Stacys at this party. It's not yeah. just all outcasts. Yeah. Some of them are like, oh, do we seriously have to go? This is so uncool. Oh, my God. So- <laughs> that one fucking dude who I thought was going to be, like, the main dude for so much of it. Mm. And then, like, he turned into a total Chad, but he was so Chadly. <laughs> at the start and then it's just like oh he's the wholesome good boy that we're supposed to like follow and like stuff. and then it's no no or, um the other guy the oh, dude who is just like oh, he's the, like i'm so wholesome and nice and i'm gonna meet your mother and then right and then all like, i'm gonna try to do is get that puss puss. yeah exactly yeah well, fuck that, that guy puss puss. like that was his whole MO. his whole game plan and, but then i liked this aversion where it's like okay She's not going to put out, so you're going to turn into a giant piss baby and get fucking owned for it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that was cool. Did you notice that the final girl and final boy in this were, like, the most limp noodle characters in the whole thing? (laughs) Yes. Like, that was interesting, where it's like, it wasn't so much the innocent kind of, like, you know, the final girl trope, where it's like, oh, she's virginal, she's mm-hmm. uh, she's not like the other one, she's more chaste, she's more morally good. Like, there was a lot of that in there, but mm-hmm. it was also just like, she was such a wet blanket for yes. the entire movie. And just so, like, useless for someone, just like, oh, I can't yeah. do anything myself, help me. Yeah, like, when it was the two of them trying to, like, solve the crematorium puzzle or whatever the fuck <laughs> kind of thing, it was just like one of those things that's like, how are they making it this far? They've been so useless Seriously. this whole movie. Yeah, I know. It was just, like, dumb luck. Yeah. Yeah, because I think of, like, Angela. It's like, she didn't fuck around with, like, nope. any sex stuff. But I guess she, you know, if, if she's queer-coded, then... I think that's maybe why she's queer-coded. Like, why, like I, I mean, another good argument for her being queer-coded. Yeah, is, is the fact, yeah, if anything, she's, like, the least sexualized one there in that she didn't come with a partner. She didn't host the party to meet boys yeah and she only does anything that's sort of like maybe provocative like i the most provocative thing i can think that she does is like when she's doing that weird dance to yeah, that to, guy uh, but to, she's possessed at that point yeah she's dancing to ball houses stigmata martyr yeah and um 
that's the point where, like, you know, she does these twirls and these dips where you can, like, see that she's wearing lingerie yeah. and all that. But then, like, seconds late, like, the dude gets weirded out by it. Like, yeah. it's like, this is He's not like, this fucking isn't right. right. And that's the total horn dog Sal who, like, the whole time is just, like... Like, he's also just, like, I'm here for some pussy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Then he's like, I don't trust like that. Yeah, I don't trust like that. I'm not that kind of guy. And you're like, are you sure? It was, uh, (laughs) yeah. Yeah, I think that's that's a good point. That's another, like, reason that's like, oh, yeah, she's queer-coded. Is because, like, she was, like, the least sexualized girl there. And yet she was, like, the second one to get possessed. And because all of the sexual... Like, I I don't think you have to be completely unsexualized to be Mm -hmm. queer-coded and stuff, but, like, we're talking about an extremely heteronormative movie. Mm -hmm. So there's no room for a queer sexuality to exist, and that's why it's just completely absent. Yeah, it's like you got to reject sexuality, but you can't reject heterosexuality. Yeah, exactly. That's an interesting take. This movie is a ton of fun. It's like so fun. it's this uh we watched this for the first time or first time for you just before we started the podcast. Yeah, like, it was I like last we, Halloween. I remember when we were doing this you're like, "Haven't we covered this?" and I'm like, "No, we watched it right before we started the podcast." So we didn't watch it for the podcast. The timing yeah. just happened to I highly recommend Night of the Demons. It's a yeah. lot of fun. There's this weird book ending going on of the crotchety old man who hates kids on Halloween. So he's like, I'm going to put razor blades in the apples. Oh, <laughs> just, fuck yeah. That guy's so funny. That's a funny little moment. That is. Yeah. Because yeah, as soon as I saw him in the beginning, I'm like, that's this movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Um, and the dialogue in this oh movie my God, is such it's a treasure. so good. That's another thing I want to bring up was with Murder Party, the dialogue was like, what the... F-? Like, they are constantly calling people dildos. And you Which, have white it people... it was funny at first. And yeah, then the I first got... time it was funny. Then they, they kept going. Yeah. And then you have white people saying the N-word. That was not That cool. That was like... It's like, whoa. That like, was... I get the joke or the riff they were going for. But, but it doesn't land. It, no, 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 it doesn't land No, it's just like, are you serious? Like... Yeah. But then this movie... It's, oh my god, the dialogue is, like, incredible. Yeah, yeah. I just... Starting with the, 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 like, final girl, she's, like, you know, getting changed. <laughs> and her little brother fucking, like, bursts out of the closet and is like, Whoa, bodacious boobies, sis! Wait, <laughs> 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 like, is this an incest movie? Like, what? What's going on is here? This movie? Jesus Christ. <laughs> like, oh, like, what the shit. fuck is happening here? Yeah. And then there was some stuff during the party, too, that was said. I can't yeah. remember. Well, I remember the part when they were leaving, for, like, at the very beginning when uh, they're passing <laughs> the old man on the street and Stooge just, like, sticks his ass out the window and he yells at the old man. He's like, hey, man, look in the mirror. And he turns and he just sees his <laughs> ass. <laughs> <laughs> Oh no! Night of the Demons is a treat. It's yeah. uh, out for on a Screen Factory. They actually did a like one of those fancy 4K restorations of it, as it deserved. Um, yeah, in their like steelbook when they did the re-release mm. of it, and it looks good. Mm-hmm. It definitely looks good, and it's so much fun. Cool. Okay, so for the second half of this episode, we wanted to kind of like almost like State of the Union on the fucking podcast <laughs> where we're at so far. Mm-hmm. Uh, as I was going to say before, but then I decided to quickly finish up with the movies before um, getting into this, is we're kind of in a almost uh, cultural moment for queer horror right now. Totally. And 
sadly, like most queer things in, in pop culture, it's a blink and you'll miss it kind of thing right. in a lot of ways. But like, I feel like we got in right at the at a good time when um we launched this podcast because not too long after that, uh, horror noir came out and they announced that they were also going to Shutter was also going to do a queer horror documentary. Mm-hmm. A lot of podcasts that have uh, do horror movies and have an LGBTQ bent have sort of launched around the time we did and since then. Like within within like, a year, we're not the first. We're not oh, even God, pretending no. to be the first. Hell no. But, like, if, you know, we launched sort of end of 2018, it seems like a lot more attention came to kind of queer horror in general, like 2019, especially June 2019 when you had yeah. Pride Month. Yeah, And all absolutely. of a sudden all the horror stuff was like, hey, queer horror, which was cool. Yeah, no, because, uh, like, Rumorg did that magazine and they name-dropped us in it. That was fucking Yeah, awesome. that was really neat. Yeah. With, with Freddie and his rainbow sweater on the cover. <laughs> yeah, no, that was a good issue. It makes me hopeful for more queer horror content, you know? Mm-hmm. And more, like, money and opportunities being given to queer creators in the horror genre. See, that's the one thing that worries me, is that this is just going to be straight people co-opting queerness to right. make a dime. And I yeah. really hope that that's just the cynic in me. Yeah, the cynic that's like, yeah, I get capitalism. I see yeah. you. yeah. I don't know, like I've said from the beginning, I feel like there is something so queer about horror or there's a lot of ways to understand it as such. And it feels like, in coming from a queer perspective, it feels like such an important facet to understand these movies through. Like, there's so many ways you can interpret and read and understand these movies, and this is just another way to do that. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's really cool that there's a bit of a spotlight. It's a very faint spotlight. It's like, I think the spotlight is one of those little crank flashlights you have to wind (laughs) up, and then then you get about, like, 30 seconds of light. It can crawl. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But it's a spotlight nonetheless. Yes, that's the most recent representation of it I've seen, so that's what comes to mind. (laughs) I I, I hope we can... uh, Keep it going, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Keep that wheel turning. Or Proud Mary keeps on burning. Whatever, what, whatever, whatever. The crank. crank Keep that boy. crank cranking. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um. So we've been at this for a year. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about the podcast? Pretty good. I yeah. um yeah I'm still like pretty into what we're putting out. I don't feel like it's just like going for the sake of going or anything like that even though we've been going weekly for a year which is nuts it's It's like we committed yeah it's weird in a lot of ways i feel like yeah we've we've kind of like really sort of solidified what we want to do but in a lot of other ways i still feel like we're finding our footing where Mm -hmm. it's like there's so many times where i still say like let's try this because it's a new way to approach it like we're still sort of mixing things up a little Mm -hmm. to uh just sort of first off variety i think is good Mm mm-hmm but spice also, of life. you know, it's, uh, why settle if it's, if there's room to improve, which I mm-hmm. think there always would be room to improve. Yeah. Let, let's chase that. You know? Yeah. It's, yeah, it's a balance of like, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But at the same time, innovation can be cool. Yeah. And yeah, trying new, experimenting, you know, just yeah. keeping it interesting. Is there anything uh, that this podcast has sort of done for you as like, or like something that you've gleaned or has enriched your life from doing this yeah it's been a lot of fun being able to talk about this stuff at at like greater length than just having a conversation with someone and then but also knowing that it's not just like all being set into the void is pretty cool too (laughs) 
Yeah, because it, it sort of felt like that at the start, where it's like, we're just putting this out there. Yeah, like, no one's going to listen to it, but that's fine. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, there are there are actually some people listening to it, and, and they say nice things to us, and that's really nice. Yeah, I can actually pull it up right now, but as of this recording... As of this moment of the as recording. As of this moment... We have 11,852 downloads, and that's, uh, we'll probably have a little bit more by the time this episode goes up, but, you know, we're probably looking at about 12,000 by the time this episode goes up, and that Mm -hmm. is pretty fucking cool for our first year at this. Yeah. Like, I remember before, you know, maybe in August, September, we were like, oh, maybe we could make it to 10K by October. Yeah. And then we hit that before October and then we're looking at like another 2000 probably by the end of the month. So that's exciting. So yeah, it's cool that people are listening and taking it on. Um, and it's giving me ideas about how to maybe expand or like where to go with Mm -hmm. the podcast next. Cause I don't know about you. I suppose this would be a conversation to have, but I'm pretty committed to giving this another year, you know, like let's, let's keep at it. It's been going good so far. And I don't mean give it another year, then call it a day. Oh no. Yeah. But, you like, know, let's I, go in for another year, and then, like, keep going after that, but yeah. reassess and see how it's going, like, do another check-in or whatever. Yeah, we're, we're doing, like, a Lana and Lincoln's exactly. year check-in. Exactly. Yeah, it's what totally popped into my mind, too. That's so funny. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, uh, I feel like this has really helped me as far as, like, it's exploring a new medium for me, but mm. using some skills that I've developed doing other things. Like, uh, I've done a lot of video editing and audio editing because of video editing right. before so being able to practice that weekly with editing this podcast mm-hmm. has been really cool figuring out the tech side of it like uh, what's a better way to record how can we get better results that's been cool and just you know it's an excuse to like because we watch a lot of movies together and so it's pretty cool to just sort of turn that into something absolutely another thing that uh, i dug getting into this was uh it sort of helped my public speaking yeah yeah i was, I was gonna say i think it's maybe helping a little bit too yeah cool and like especially um when we introduced miss 45 at yeah, not your yeah. final girl fast nicole after was like you guys did such a good job and i was like did we? <laughs> did we? Thank you. I mean, I thought you did great, oh. Lori. Like, you had some great, like, you know, jokes and banter and, like, you know, the audience was laughing and stuff. So I was like, wow, that's some good showmanship. Oh, I didn't even notice. But yeah, so I thought you did great. I thought I was just kind of standing there being like, uh, yeah, I'm in 45. So. <laughs> I'm 45. <laughs> my glasses up my nose. Exactly. Um, so no, that's cool, yeah. Yeah, so, just so to hear that person be like, oh my god, I'm so glad we brought you in. Like, you did, it's like, oh, thank you. Yeah. I'm so glad I didn't, like, fuck it up. Yeah. So I'm hoping that maybe we'll have more opportunities to do that. Maybe make some more opportunities Mm -hmm. to do that. Like, I definitely want to pick Not Your Final Girl's Brain, a collective brain about programming at the Mm -hmm. Metro and, like, suggesting a film series and how does that work. For sure. Um, Also, just want to have more guests on, too, Mm -hmm. because it's really cool having Nicole on. But then we also had some uh, longtime friends on. We did our first Skype guest kind mm-hmm. of thing. Also long-time um, friends. Yeah, because I know a lot of shows that, like, right from the beginning, they record over Skype because mm-hmm. hosts in different locations. That's how right. they have to do it. Uh, with exception of the Evil Dead episode, every single thing we've done has been in person in our little recording room. Mm-hmm. Because, uh, I don't know, I, I like that this is just sort of a conversation we're having mm-hmm. across from one another because not that we don't talk or anything like that, because of course we do, but you know, to just sit down and it's like, okay, we're going to have a pointed conversation for an hour kind of yeah. thing. It's fucking cool. It is, yeah. Because, I mean, yeah, like you said, we t- obviously we talk to each other and stuff, but 
when you're actually like dedicating the time to saying, okay, this is what we're doing. Our phones yeah. are on do not disturb. We're yeah, like, yeah, the, yeah. We have a purpose for this. Not to say that we're not like present when we talk to each other. But otherwise, it's, it's but still life different. go like, you know it's, life is happening yeah. right. Whereas this is like a set block of time. It's like okay, we're gonna go record, and that's yeah. what we're gonna do. So we are like a hundred percent here, and it's it's good. It's yeah. fun. So if there's any listeners out there that have toyed with the idea of starting a podcast, I'd say fucking go for yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Worst thing that's gonna happen is that you're gonna realize you're not into it, or mm-hmm. you're not gonna get many listeners. Or you're going to say something incredibly racist and get dragged over the coals for it. But in that case, I'd say you deserved it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but just, yeah, don't do that. And yeah. So just just go for it, yeah. Yeah. It's fun. Because uh, uh, what we did as two people that don't really listen to podcasts. Like, I've definitely expanded my podcast listening as of you since we started definitely. doing this. But I listen to very different kinds of podcasts. Yeah. And there are times, like, a lot of the ones I listen to, I think they script it to an extent. Right. So I'm always like, oh, my God, we're just, like, winging it. We just... Yeah. I sound so uneloquent because I say all these ums and all these, like, you know, yeah. little... I edit filler. out so many ums from <laughs> right? both of us. Yeah. But they're just such a part of our speech that it's, like... You know, it's just there. It yeah. sounds, sounds weird if you take them all out. Yeah, dear listener, you're hearing about 10% of the ums and uhs that we do. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So, yeah, there are, there's that little nagging kind of sense of like, oh, are we like, am I adequate? But then at the same time... The podcasts like, I listen to are more conversational. Yeah, So it's conversational the kind of thing where it's like, this just, just seemed like the way to do it. Yeah. Because we could work up a script, but but that, that was I don't know, take some of the like fun and spontaneity that, that, out of it. That's not our podcast. That's exactly, a different podcast, and you know all the power to them, but mm-hmm. that's not us. Like the ones that I listen to that do are more scripted. Like they do, they're great at what they do, yeah. but they're usually like it's less conversational, more presenting information, and yeah. then having maybe an interview. It's the kind of thing that you kind of need to script. Because yeah. if someone's just like, I'm going into this dense theory and this sort of sociological concept. Uh, let me check my phone for notes. Um, so, like, totally, y'all have heard right? of the economy, right? It's like, that, that's not yeah. a good podcast. <laughs> no. Um, but also just, like, reading out, like, in this essay, I will... About- Webster's defines yeah, socialism def- as... Well, I was going to say, defines horror as... <laughs> <laughs> defines film as... Yeah. So, yeah, that, it's... Different style, but that's okay. When the Lumiere brothers invented the camera. <laughs> um, yeah, no. We don't we don't fuck with that. Yeah. Uh, going forward, what would you like to see from us? Is there anything in particular that you're thinking, I'd love more of that, I'd love less of that? I, mm. would, like... I think maybe for the next, like, you know, five or six months at least, it might be nice to... Um, do what you had suggested about maybe cutting down on the number of movies we do per episode and spending more time on them just because I'm so fucking busy with my practicum that the less time I have to like have to watch movies in a certain week or something and have that more pressure there, the better. I think we get a stronger reaction to our episodes that are just like a single movie Mm -hmm. or something like that. And I think for the multi-movie ones, we should do more like we started doing originally, where it's more, we're doing multiple because we're looking at it in terms of a specific thesis. Right. And we're pulling examples from multiple movies, Mm -hmm. as opposed to, here's three movies we watched. Here's three movies we watched that take place at a Halloween party, and that's not all they have in common. (laughs) Like, I don't dislike this, I think it's fun and all that. For sure. uh, You know, I've been looking at, like, the numbers Mm -hmm. and all that, and I think that that's a good way to go. Yeah, there's something to say about having that more, like, focus... Yeah. For sure. I think that's good. Mm-hmm. I know going forward, I'm looking forward into sort of opening up what we can do with podcasting. Mm-hmm. Like, I have some ideas of how to expand this and also just sort of dip my toes into 
more podcast stuff mm-hmm. a little bit. So yeah, that should be fun. Not announcing anything yet because uh, everything's still very much up in the air. But yes, got some stuff in the works that yeah, I think you got, you, you cool. got some solid scripts being written for yeah for potential oh, projects. Well, thank you. Um, yeah, so I feel good about this past year. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I'm glad to hear it. Mm-hmm. Uh, hopefully we're not going anywhere <laughs> yeah. anytime soon. We'll, we'll keep at it, and we hope you keep listening. Mm-hmm. But before we sign off completely, we have to do our recommendation. Absolutely. And uh, what we decided would be fun for this one is maybe let's, instead of just doing a full-on, like, let's just pick a random recommendation. Or a Halloween party recommendation. It, let's do top tens of our favorite movies that we've covered this past year. Like, what are the top ten movies we cover this year? And we specifically made it so our top tens had to be different, even if there was crossover, because we didn't want to have, like, eight out of ten the same. There's definitely movies that we both picked that the other person had, and we just kind of went like, oh, I ranked that at number four, you ranked it at number one. You get it in your list then. Exactly. Yeah. Because we have covered 171 movies. That's, wow, that's Fucking crazy. So, yeah, maybe we do need to dial it back a little bit. Maybe a little bit. uh, We covered 171 movies in our first year, and that just seems so, like, nuts to Mm -hmm. me. But I enjoyed the watching we did. It was great. And it makes me think, how many fucking movies did I watch this year? Because we didn't talk about every single thing I watched this year. Oh, God, no. (laughs) So, better check your letterbox. So I know you oh, actually God. keep up with that. I, I do, yeah. Yeah, I need to start doing that again. Yeah, I think we should make a letterboxed account for Queer Horror Cult. I think so. You know, we'll track the things that we discuss, mm-hmm. and uh, when we can start doing little reviews, that way we're not just trying to fit reviews into our show as right. well. Like, I think the review portion's good and all that. Like, yeah, what we, but we don't want it, it to be, like, a movie review sh- podcast, yeah. period. I feel like if we're doing a movie review podcast, we need to restructure what we're doing. We need to, like, start yeah. a new podcast. <laughs> hey, <maybe laughs> or have a separate... Maybe that's something for... Possible Patreon content. Oh, that's true, yeah. yeah. You know, like, reviews. pick from the vault kind of thing. Like, mm. here's a movie that we, we don't have a deconstruction of, but we want to just talk about it as a sure. movie we enjoy. Or new movies that, as they come out kind of thing. Yeah. So there's stuff there. Mm-hmm. Okay, so top tens. We're going to start at the bottom. Uh, and this is uh, my number ten, but by no way least, mm-hmm. that we discussed, is Tragedy Girls. Ugh. Tragedy Girls Beautiful. was so much fun. Uh, I really loved the sort of sense of um, female friendship mm-hmm. kind of thing. Like, the way it was depicted, it's the kind of thing that you don't see in the genre a lot, let mm-hmm. alone in film in general. Like, yeah. uh, I think of the way that, like, women are always shown, especially young women, where it's, like, catty, like, attitudes, right. like, throats kind of thing. Yeah. And uh, even though there was sort of a falling out plot line in this at times, as one would expect there to be, it, it didn't come across like that. It wasn't like, of course, it's because girls are like this. Yeah, like, yeah. they didn't spend the whole movie as frenemies or, like, yeah, some, you no. know, it wasn't, like, with mean girls or something. Yeah, which, no. you know, everyone loves mean girls, but it's, that's going for something very different than... The whole, like, oh, women can't be friends with each other, but women also can't be friends with men, and women are just fucking yeah. lonely hags, and they hate themselves. No, I I really l- loved the way the r- dynamic between the two was mm-hmm. set up in this, and the movie's just fucking funny as hell. It's like, so funny. Uh, you have to have a bit of a crass sense of humor to enjoy it, and I don't mean, like, <laughs> a do. fart joke, I mean, like, dark sensibility. Yes. But that suited me just fine. And, and I love their scheming for self-gain. 
Yeah, yeah. Like, they're schemers. Yeah, they're such schemers. And I just think there's so many, like, you know, male anti-heroes who it's like, oh, I can't believe you did that. Oh, I love him so much. And then when, like, women do that, it's like, wow, what a conniving bitch. So to see these, like, teen girls who are just, like... They're anti-heroes. They're total anti-heroes. Absolutely. It's so refreshing. Yeah, I loved it. Especially that ending. It's just like, oh, you went there. Oh, good for you. No, it's good. I... Well, obviously, we recommend every movie we're talking about right now. Yes. yeah, no, it's it's, it's so much one. fun. Yeah, cool. Okay, what's your number ten? My number ten, and also by no means least, is Terror Vision. Ah, uh, <laughs> Terror Vision. That one just left such dun, a mark dun, on me. So fucking good. Um, when you saw this, you were fairly firmly in the pro Mary Warnoff camp. Yes. By the time we got around to this, but, oh <laughs> yes. my goodness. Just like this is another one that. It's cursed in an extremely good way, mm-hmm. like a hundred percent in a good way. Where like there's this movie has like everything. It has weird like swinger parents and their weird house with like a pool inside. It has a child named Sherman Putterman <laughs> who the police come to arrest, even though he's like I don't know ten years old. Look at the arrest warrant for Sherman Putterman. <laughs> like it's so funny. It has this this outer space monster that is just like the goofiest thing but at the same time is like just loves chaos and just wrecking things and this it's so like it's so cheesy but it's so much fun yeah that's why it's so much fun this is a fun movie it is so fun oh shit no terror vision definitely definitely (laughs) worth a watch and it has a sick theme song oh so good yeah that's like the cherry on top of it all that's the theme song that still gets hummed oh it's stuck in our head like At least once a month. Mm -hmm. And that's probably, like, a very conservative estimate. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh, shit. Okay, my number nine is High Tension, Mm -hmm. which can be potentially a contentious choice. But it's one of those things where it's, like, evil les horror kind of thing. Yeah. And I fucking love it for that. Mm -hmm. Like, it's... It's first off, it lives up to its fucking name. This is oh, one tense movie, and this was my introduction to the like sort of like new French extremity school right. of horror. And I remember seeing this at Metro Cinema when it was still being run out of the Citadel Theater, mm. and it was seeing the uncut version, which was hard to sort of come by at first. Got it. And it just blew me away. Like I don't think I had seen anything that graphic or in your face mm-hmm. um, in a way that like. It doesn't quite have the cheese levels of, say, a Fulci movies, because, like, I'd seen The Beyond and stuff, and yeah, those are more graphic in some regards, Mm -hmm. but this was gross in a, like, oh, these are actually convincing effects. Yeah. And And there's something different about it. It's so (laughs) mean-spirited. It's so mean-spirited, but I was going to say, there's also something, like, maybe not, like, I can't quite put my finger on it right this minute, maybe you'll you'll help me as I say this, but... um, like torture porn versus French New Extremity. Yes, there, there's, there's definitely a, a such a contrast, there. and I'm way more drawn to want like to the French than yeah. the torture porn. Like it just seems yeah. very American to me. Maybe that's why I was so conflicted with Martyrs the first time I saw it because I mm. felt like it treaded that line so much that uh, I have not seen it since I first saw it. But I'm looking forward to rewatching Martyrs. I've never so. seen it. It's one of those ones yeah. that was like played up as so notorious for me that I'm sure I'm going to watch and be like, oh, that's it. Yeah, I like when we watch <laughs> Cannibal Holocaust. <laughs> yeah, I mean there are brutal moments in that. Oh, but, absolutely. But absolutely. yeah, it was it was like up here. But I remember Cannibal Holocaust was the one that, like, it fucked me up. I knew it was going to yeah. be fucked up. It still fucked me up kind of thing. And then for you to just be like, okay, yeah. I mean, we did watch it without the animal cruelty, so I think yes, that would have probably I did made see a the huge difference. I think it really does color the movie. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. 
All right. What do you got for number nine? My number nine is um, I had actually admit that I had forgotten about this one until we went over the list to pick out our numbers. And I'm like, oh, yeah, this one was so it's visiting hours. That was the first time watching. That was the first. Oh, that's right. Okay, Yeah. Yeah. And it was just like part of I mean, I thought it was a great movie with like so much like going on and so much. It's tense. It's like engaging and all these things but also part of what resonated with me was the fact that it got such a poor reception yeah and how that's like so clearly linked to just like misogyny not giving a fucking shit about like i love how it's a movie about misogyny featuring misogyny and then the reaction to it was misogynistic right (laughs) exactly so no it's it's really clever in the way that it can show like can like you said it's a movie about misogyny featuring a misogynist yet it's not a misogynistic movie no which is talent, in my opinion, because well, I, I it's so it's... easy to say, oh, this is a this is a satire. This is a yeah. commentary on. And you're like, you're just reinforcing it. Yeah. Like, this isn't satirical. No, this there is was just actually, a status quo. I wouldn't call this one a satire, no. but it definitely has commentary. Like, Absolutely. It, it's very deliberate. For sure. I'm just thinking of examples where people say, oh, it's oh, satire, totally. man. You're like, no, it's not. It's just regurgitating the status quo. <laughs> So no, this this one's this one's actually clever about it. It's thoughtful. It's there's so many so much going for it, and yeah, part of it was also my like, well, you said it sucks. So I'm putting it on my top ten, bitch. Yeah, eat my ass. Exactly. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Cool. Your number eight. It's cruising. Mm-hmm. This was I I love the way this movie is constructed as yes. like a thriller, but also a look at this um, underground uh, culture kind mm-hmm. of thing. It's like. I get the criticisms of it by saying, like, conflating uh, all gay people with kink culture kind of thing. Right. And I, I see where the criticisms come from. But then I have criticisms for that in that it's, like, you're trying to do the... Um, like, purity. Yeah, like, normativity, respectability politics yeah. thing by saying that, where it's, like, we're not like them. They're too weird. Yeah, those guys Those know. aren't us. And, and so when like, we say gay rights, we don't mean them. Throw yeah. them under the bus. We mean us who are like you, which, as we discussed in... It's respectability politics. It is, yeah. and which we discussed, like, we understand where it comes from. It serves a very strategic point insofar as, like, you know, when you have people who are saying, like, oh, gays are, like you know, these subhuman whatevers, and then you have this beautiful, charismatic family where you have these two upper-middle-class white gay men who are well-dressed and have their beautiful adopted children, and they say, we're just like you. That's really powerful. (laughs) It's weird because it undoes the homophobic uh, stereotyping that is being done in the first place, but at the same time, it it's exceptionalism in a really weird way. It is, and it's not afraid it's, to throw it's not the, the bad queers under the bus. Yeah, like it's the not at all cut and dry, and, and I think that's what this movie is. It's yeah, not, it's in no way cut and exactly. dry. Exactly. Um, and it's funny for as much as I hear talk of like his assholeish ways on set, and like me having problems with the way The Exorcist came into being mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. I have noticed that I dig a lot of Friedkin's horror output. Me like, too. Like, there's just something about them. It's like, these are really well, well put like, together movies. I, there are three that I know I've seen so far, and I'm like, yeah, I'm three for three. They're solid. Yeah. And you'll be four for four once you watch Bug, that's for sure. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm looking forward to that. Cool. You, you talk that one up, so I'm I excited. It. It's great. What about not for you, number eight? My number eight is Tessis. Thesis. Ah, uh, yes. This the one Spanish was on, movie. This one was... A re- Actually, this was my number eight originally mm-hmm. as well. We tied. Um, 
But you gave it to me because you're like, eh, we covered it on this podcast because of you. But then I was like, well, you introduced me yeah. to it. But but yeah, I was kind of the one who was really pushing, like, we got to cover these. No, I remember your reaction to it when we first watched it. Like, it really sort of stuck with you. It did, and, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's one that I, I know for a couple years after when anytime someone was like, oh, do you have any, like, really good foreign horror? I'm like, Jesus, it's so good, man. Yeah. So, yeah, I... I that one's great. It's, it's another one that's like, it's so tense. It's so well done. It's so like interesting what it does with the plot. What what I dig about it is it's a late 90s horror that doesn't fall into the sort of like satirical or the postmodernism that's extreme. That's true. But at the same time, it doesn't fall into like the, the cheese factor of the early 90s horror. It's kind of mm-hmm. like, it's a 90s horror that doesn't really feel like a 90s horror. And I say that for good and for bad. Right. And I'm not knocking the cheese of 90s horror. Some sure. of it is just fucking great. It's a refreshing change. Uh, but it's so different. I mean, it's, that's part of because it's not from yeah, North it's, America. It's not your typical Hollywood or trying to be Hollywood yeah. kind of thing. It's uh, it's a foreign film that's mm-hmm. giving us a, yeah, a different perspective and a different, you know, everything. Yeah, I believe it's Spanish. Yeah, I'm, I'm like 99% yeah. sure. Yeah. Oh, well, if we're going with Spain, my number seven is another Spanish flick. It is Who Can Kill a Child? Mm. This is one that I've been wanting to show you for a long, long time. So I pretty much cooked up the, like, let's do, like, I mean, Killer Kids. It's a great topic and all that stuff. <laughs> yeah. But when we did it, it was just, it was more because I got the Mondo Macabro Blu-ray. And it's like, all right, we're watching this fucking movie. So we're going to do else an can episode. We watch? Yeah. Yeah. I like it. Uh, this one totally took me by surprise. Uh, I first heard about it because Eli Roth was bandying it about, mm. like back in the MySpace days kind of thing. <laughs> and uh, so I sought out a copy way back when, and it is weird because it takes one of those premises that it feels like a tired premise, mm-hmm. and it also feels like it could be so cheese, but it takes it so seriously. It does. In, in a way that doesn't feel forced. Mm-hmm. It's tense. It's a very brooding movie. Yes. And it's slow burn is all fuck. Yes. But it at no point for me feels boring. Yeah. Or like a slow movie. It's yeah. just a slow burn. Like we distinguish that in one of the recent episodes too. Yeah. Yeah. With the witch. Where yes. it's just like, yeah, this it's it's like slow burn, but it's not it doesn't feel slow per se. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Or like it needs to really get to the point or something. Yeah. Um it's probably dated a little bit, this movie, sure. but it's one of those things where it really works for me. Like, the moments that are supposed to hit you in the gut or be tense, like, they definitely hit me in the gut mm-hmm. or had me on the edge of my seat. For sure. For sure. So I feel like it's one of those sort of, like, horror thriller kind of things that's still very effective. Like, you don't need that sheen of, like, nostalgia to no. sort of help it kind of thing. God, you don't need no. to be like, well, I liked it back when it was new or right. when I was younger, so I still like it. Um, no, I-, I saw this when I was, you know, an adult, very firm into horror fandom kind of thing, and it just still took me by surprise. It stuck mm-hmm. up on me. Definitely. No, that was that's a solid movie for sure. I think yeah. that's a great choice. Cool. What about you? My number seven is They Live. Oh, John Carpenter. Yeah, so good. good. Stuff. I Roddy, love that one. Roddy Piper. Yeah, like, I love so much about it. Like, the cast, the... The like, big fight between Roddy Yeah, the Roddy shenanigans. Piper and Keith David. <laughs> but then also, like, the the story and like it's not even subtext like it's the main story about this like all these like consumerism and advertising and like all these things that just like you know keep you keep people from gaining like class conscious like it's so political without being in your face like 
like you know, I think I think of um, like Switchblade Sisters, where they're like, "Oh yeah, man, read Mao, Mao writes." Yeah. Like, so, as much as I loved that, it's like it's it's political without being in your face about like ideology specifically, right. I guess, or p- specific theory, which has its pros and cons. On because on the one yeah. hand, it's like, well, if you're introducing this to people, then why not leave them with some reading material? Right. But on the other hand people will be more receptive to it if it's not like you straight up have like, you know, Mark says that. But at the same time, it's, it doesn't beat around the bush at no, all. Like when they put the glasses on, he looks at the handle of money and it says on it, this is your God. Exactly. Like it is like, like there's no subtlety into how hard they hit you with the message. Exactly. And I love it. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, they it's so incredible. Good. It's yeah, and I want to mention again that I think um, it came up, but I love how some fucking Nazi idiots misinterpreted this movie as being about this, like, you know, the the lizard people cabal of, of <laughs> Jewish people who actually <laughs> oh, run Jesus society, Christ. and how John Carpenter, bless his soul, who is, like, rarely ever online, logged into Twitter.com to be like, you fucking assholes, no, it is not. This movie is not saying that, you know, oh, the Jews run the world or something. He's like fuck no what is wrong with you i'm like thank you man like thank you thank you mr carpenter because you know there's so many like there's so many creators who'd be like oh well once out in the world it's open for interpretation free speech blah 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 and so to actually have him come in and be like this is anti-semitic and like what is wrong with you You like fucking worms for brains fuck (laughs) off it's just like thank you man yeah, fuck right that shit. Yeah, so so good on you, Carpenter, for this movie, for like sticking with like your principles and just yeah, God bless. Yeah, God bless indeed. <laughs> if you believe, I I say that I would say that so much like God willing or God bless. I'm like I don't even really believe in God. I was but. gonna say for someone who's so like agnostic, <laughs> yeah. like I, I don't know exactly where you sit on things. That's but. that's about right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my number six mm-hmm. it might be a bit surprising, given movies I've talked about I loved, but it is the Evil Dead remake. Ooh. 2013. Uh, I think this is one of the, if not the best, of the modern horror remakes. Kind of, of like, thing. 80s kind of movies. Yeah. yeah. Agreed. This one is so fucking like on point and i love that they went to the horror aspect of it because yes. you're not going to top sam raimi's comedic thing you're not oh, going to top bruce campbell so the fact that they're like we're not going to try we are going to make a movie that has the like the heart of the original yes but we're going to keep to the mean spirited we're going to punch you in the gut side of it and we're going to do something new with it yeah like completely new but while still being fun like it's yes. not it's a fun movie it is uh, the effects this is one of the few movies that still makes me cringe when I see oh. it. There are certain scenes. Yeah, I, d- I just like, have got a flash of it. Yeah. Ugh, yeah. There are certain <laughs> scenes that just get me, and I appreciate it so much for that. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. No, this, this, uh, I, I'm so sad I didn't go see this in theaters. Uh, it was one of those things where it's like, oh, you're, you're remaking one of the best movies of all time. How dare you? And it wasn't even how dare you stuff. It was more just like, I'm not interested. Yeah. It's gonna suck. Like, it's <laughs> like, it can't hold the candle to the original. And it's like, right. Now that I realize it's like, that's not exactly the point. Yeah. You know? But so many remakes, like, do that, honestly. Especially when it's like remakes of, I know in this case, that's not the case, but like foreign films where they're like, right. oh, we just don't want to like have to read subtitles. So we're going to do like a shot by shot, frame by frame yeah. remake with a better budget and say that we're like doing something new and inventive. Fuck that shit. Yeah. So, I don't care for that. Yeah, me either. Yeah. So I, I like I I pre- I mean as we've matured and stuff and I'm not like a you know teen anymore who's like oh I have to be like loyal to the original and if a if a remake exists it's somehow taking away from the original 
it's like I'm not quite, I'm not really there anymore. It's like I still appreciate where that comes from. Yeah, having been there, so. But like I can think of movies where I didn't dig the remake, but mm-hmm. it's like so I can always dig on the original. Exactly. Cool. And which one are people talking about ten years later still? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, the, who gets the last? They're laugh? not overshadowed. Like I've, the bad mm-hmm. remakes will fall by the wayside. Mm-hmm. That's for sure. But exactly. I really hope that's not the case for Evil Dead because no. I, I really hope they do a sequel to this one. I just yes. I love this remake. Yeah, me too. It's great. My number six is what I still think is one of the like biggest sort of game changers of two K eighteen is Cam. Oh yeah. Yeah, I just I thought I mean on top of just being a good movie with like there's great horror elements, there's so much suspense and tenseness and everything. Just the f- breath of fresh air of having like sex work represented but not be like a joke or dehumanized. Yeah, yeah. Or yeah, it's just like she's a cam girl. And, but yeah, she's, she's our main character. And she's that's our protagonist. And the plot. Yes. But it's like not all she is. You see her family. You see her, yeah. her like, you see her as a full person. Yeah. As like a, and as a main character, not just as this like cheap, like, oh yeah, you know, it's a, it's the dead hooker trope or something yeah. like that. It's like, no, she's, she's a person. She's she a matters. Person. But uh, even more so, she, this isn't like her fault that makes her a flawed that's character. Exactly. And she doesn't have to be rescued from sex yeah, work at the I end in order to be redeemed. that about this. Yeah. yeah no, it's, it's, there's, great. yeah, there's just so much going on with this one. That's like so long overdue, but to actually see it happen, it's like, Oh, they, this is great. Thank you so much. So I'm so, and I'm so looking forward to the, the next work that comes out from the people behind it. They have some really exciting projects in the works. So I'm cool. looking forward to that. Oh, me too. That sounds great. Number five, mm-hmm. getting into the top five now. Yes. Uh, the Fly. Ah, Here's another yeah. remake. People forget. They, right. they'll, they'll show on horror remakes and it's like, um, have you heard of things like The Fly and the Thing and right. stuff like that? Totally. Uh, this is probably what I would say is David Cronenberg's most accessible horror movie kind of thing. I think so. But yeah, I can see that. It is such a tragic story it is in so such a riveting sad. way. Like, oh my god, like, there's so much empathy and Mm -hmm. so much uh, good characterization in this that doesn't take away from the horror, but the horror doesn't take away from the characterization. They Mm -hmm. work together perfectly. Absolutely. and They complement each other. I think it's a good example of, like, when people slag on the horror genre as being superficial Mm -hmm. or something like that, or... um, when people try to get into that, like, oh, it's elevated, therefore it's no longer horror kind of thing. Right. I think this is a good movie to point out where it's like, this is clearly a horror movie. Yeah, it's like, it's like one of the definitive body horror movies. It does all these things right that yes. people sometimes don't give horror the time of day or the credit for. Absolutely. Yeah, so. Yeah. And this is also one that kind of made my list, but you you ranked it higher, so I was right. like, yeah, you have it. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> My number five is Silence of the Lambs. That was on mine as well. Yeah. Yeah. I think you, maybe you had like, you had the fly where I had Silence of the Lambs and then I had Silence of the Lambs where you had the fly kind of thing. Yeah. So we get to include both. It's all good. It's all good. Yeah. But no, this one is just getting to rewatch it recently. It's like, this movie is just so good. Like, I can't find anything wrong with this movie. Not that I want to. So don't point it out to me if there is something. (laughs) I don't want to know. I'm going to put my fingers in my ear and go, la, 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 la. No, this is a masterclass in how to do it, a serial killer movie. Seriously, honestly, yeah, exactly. Like it's just it's such a good movie. Like it's so like just overall, like every aspect of it is yeah. so solid. It's just so tight. It's 
fantastic. Like, I don't think it's exaggerating to be like, this is a masterpiece. I don't think so either. The fact that Criterion Collection put it out, they put it out on DVD forever ago, then it kind of went out of print. Right. And then they recently put it on Blu-ray. I was so happy to see it back because it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, this deserves that kind of... Whether you think the idea of the Criterion Collection can be pretentious or gatekeeping or not, like, like sure. that's besides the point, I think for what they purport to do this mm-hmm. is a movie deserving of that pedigree absolutely and not just because it got a, you know the academy recognized it like even if they were to get snubbed by that it's still yeah. like so fucking solid well i mean you know criterion's finally correct uh correcting their biggest mistake of not having john waters in there this is so, true so they, they have some taste yeah and john waters was never a an oscar oh winner. god no he's definitely wasn't ever like at least when he was working more actively a highbrow kind yeah. of culture He's a cultural icon, but in a very, like, intentionally, like, I'm at low brow and I am, like, wearing it on my sleeve, rolling around in the trash. It's it's funny. I recently saw on Twitter, someone pointed out from Sazzle Be Demented, Mm -hmm. there's that part where all the people have directors they look up to or that Mm -hmm. help define them, like, tattooed on their body. Yeah. And they ask, what director would you have tattooed on you? And for me, it would be John Waters. Totally. Like, it's like, (laughs) yeah, all the directors I could think of, John Waters is the one that I think most hits on my sensibilities. Mm-hmm. And I, I include that into what I appreciate about horror movies. For even sure. Even though he wasn't... Like a horror a filmmaker. Horror filmmaker, yeah. But, I mean, he discusses horror at some points and stuff. And oh, he's there, obsessed. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And there's, like... I'd say there are aspects of his movies that at least play with aspects of horror. Like, as, yeah. as in terms of, like, disgust. And, like, yes. oh my god, I can't believe they just did that. Like... Mm. There are horrifying aspects, I guess. I love how we went off a tangent about in John our Waters. Very structured, yeah, a uh, very structured kind of list <laughs> in our list that doesn't include John Waters because no. we didn't cover we didn't any cover this year him. for some oh, fucking reason. I think reason. that'll be my New Year's resolution. That's right. Halloween is our New Year. <laughs> my New Year's resolution is let's do some John Waters. I like it. Cool. Well, I mean, okay, religion. Different religions have New Years all throughout the year. We're a cult. We can have our own New Year. There you go. Yeah, Halloween marks the New Year. There exactly. You go. Cool. I think that's a great choice on the lines. Um, I, yeah, fantastic. My number four is finally a Jalo on the list. Hey, I'm doing Lucio Fulci's Don't Torture a Duck line. Oh, so good. I uh, love that one. This movie, I think it shows so much of Fulci's talent that gets, like, he stuff he gets criticized for in later movies or in other mm-hmm. ones where it's like, oh, he's classless, all he can do is schlock. All he does is the gore and stuff. Can't do proper tension. Like, he hates women. I don't, I don't agree with so many of those criticisms, but I've heard them. But mm-hmm. if you watch Don't Torture a Duckling, you can't... Those criticisms no longer apply. Oh, they fall flat. Um, yeah, they just collapse. There are sequences in this movie that I think are some of the my favorite directed sequences. Like, I see inspiration stuff. Like, I think in the episode I mentioned the scene where they're... Uh, they pump on the radios and attack the woman they accuse of being a witch. Mm-hmm. Everything. That felt straight... like. Tarantino must have been inspired by that oh, scene God, for the way yeah. they construct the uh, action and the way Absolutely. they use music and all that stuff. It's, 100%. Yeah, so it's... And the way he just kind of, like, plays with the the genre of mm-hmm. the Jello, where it's like, yeah, we're not doing the urban, high-fashion thing. We're doing, like, the more rural Italy yeah. sort of thing. We're um, being very critical of the Catholic Church, too, That's which was a like big no-no. That's, like, the deliciousest part of yeah. that. <laughs> Uh, Don't Torture a Duckling is absolutely incredible. The mm-hmm. Arrow video release looks so stunning. It so does. I highly recommend it to anyone who is still sort of 
on the edge or like on like you know on the fence with uh Fulci just like Fulci, or like I don't know about Jallo that guy. or anything yeah. like that don't torture a duckling is kind of like necessary viewing absolutely my number four is uh very different <laughs> it's faster pussycat kill kill oh my god faster pussycat <laughs> is so fucking it's great so good i just love it so much i still i cannot agree more with john waters assertion that it's like the best film that has ever been made and possibly the best film that will ever be made (laughs) it's just so good it has so much going on that's just like perfect which is so funny because it comes from that like sleazy sexploitation genre but it's like yeah it's a russ meyer it's a russ yeah exactly it's like the like pinnacle of that but it's so good oh it's so fun like Mm -hmm. there's it's one of those movies that I would expect to be more predictable than it is. Right, And it's not yeah. like it's a it's a big twisty ride, but it's just like, I was so engaged with what was happening, mm-hmm. even though, like, it felt almost piecemeal in how it was constructed. Right, but, but they, they just work with it so it well. It works so fucking well. Maybe part, as I'm thinking here, maybe one of the reasons that it appeals to me so much is that it has that sort of, like, for lack of a better word, girl power, but it's very definitively women like they're they're adult women whereas you have the more contemporary sort of 90s onwards where you get into that post-feminism of like the charlie's angels where they're all they're girls yeah because there's there's, almost an infantilization there's a there's a total infantilizing and when i say when i say charlie's angels i mean specifically like the cameron diaz lucy Uh, yes the 90s one exactly yeah and insofar as and um like in my and in my feminism and pop culture class, the prof's sort of main thesis about these kind of movies is that they are referred to as girls. Yes. Because there's always that hope that they'll grow out of it. Oh, wow. So even yeah. if they're adult women, they're girls who are like, oh, it's my daddy. He's coming to visit me. Like, <laughs> and, and I, I mean, dad, like father, not like, like, not daddy. <laughs> but like, do you know any grown women who call their father daddy? daddy in a like big squeaky voice like a six-year-old like only in like every hollywood movie only in these movies yeah and so they're yeah but if they're girls they might grow out of it and they might become proper women and be recuperated into proper like femininity in their proper roles whereas in this movie they're outcasts who are just like no we didn't grow out of it and we're gonna fuck your shit up and it's like i love it it's so good good, because they're not infantilized they are so like shit kicking like just like shit talking like i love them so much yeah no i i love it too this is um and i guess it's also like they're they're very distinctly feminine and and in the most like you know like big boobs that are out like kind of exaggerated Yeah, you can make a very heteronormative argument for for sure but at the same time it's it's not like it's like it is drawing attention to itself but at the same time it's not insofar as be like referring it like it's, oh, it's almost subverting the male gaze in a way in some weird like roundabout backwards like three-dimensional chess way <laughs> that's the argument i'm making <laughs> nice i like it <laughs> but yeah like it's, it. it's it's so solid it's it's so much fun it's just it's badass yeah. i love it my number three is another jello i'm doing mm. four flies on gray velvet so why isn't the number four for your four flies because 
This one is possibly my favorite Jalo. Fair enough. It is very up there. Yes. That is for sure. Okay, um, that's, a, that's a great reason. That's to the point where I specifically said we have to do a bonus episode on this because I couldn't, mm-hmm. for the topic we we're going to do it for, I couldn't do it without completely spoiling the movie. Right. And that's back when we were trying to be more guarded with that. So right. I was like, we're doing a bonus episode and we're going to talk into this because we have to cover this fucking movie. Absolutely. It's um, Argento really sort of hitting his stride in sort of his creativity with the camera and all that. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know if I'd say this is a better thriller than, say, Bird of the Crystal Plumage, which very nearly made my top ten list. Right. Um, but it's the construction of it. Like, it feels it's like it's cribbing a little less from Hitchcock. Mm. And I say that out of love, of course. Of course. It's one of those things where I you can see the Hitchcockianness of bird of the crystal plumage a lot more clearly than you can in four flies because mm-hmm. i think there's that sort of psychosexual aspect right and that uh, sort of rambunctiousness of the camera and and use of music that really typifies later um argento movies mm-hmm. it really kind of so, comes into yeah. his own yeah i really dig it for that yeah and it's one that's very unseen i think that's why i also mm. i always bandy it about a lot where it's it's not his deep red. It's not his Suspiria. Right. It's not his Tenebrae. It's sort of... It's not his Dracula 2000. It's not his Dracula 2000. <laughs> he did do Dracula 2000. He did uh, Dracula 3D. Oh, fuck. That Dracula was it. Dracula 2000 is a different movie. I fucked up. I haven't seen either of them, full disclosure, if you I've couldn't tell. I've seen Dracula tell. 2000. I have not seen Dracula 3D. Okay. Got it. Yeah. Whoops. Vabe. <laughs> Okay, and then my number three is another sort of, I guess, completely different, is my, one of my really early faves that we covered was Sugar Cookies. Sugar Cookies. Another uh, one that... If this wasn't on your list, uh, I'd be fucking shocked, given how many times you recommended it. I know, I'm just like obsessed it. with this movie, and I, I, I need to rewatch it, because I've, I've only seen it that one time. But mm-hmm. I think that was such the, like, sleeper hit, for lack of better words for right, me. Because right. just going in, like, the first few minutes, I was like, what the fuck is this? Why are we watching this? And yeah. then... So quickly did it turn. Yeah. I was just like, I am in love with this movie. It's yeah. so trashy, but there's just so much happening that, and so much unexpected about it. Like yeah. the, this portrait of these two women who are like super kind of gay, but it's not in like a, you know, even though the movie is about these, like they're, they're involved in like, you know, porn films, Yeah, but their relationship itself isn't pornified or isn't yeah. like really kind of spectacleized like that. It's more like you have, you know, they, they run to get through a field together in matching sweaters. Like that's so fucking gay. It's like we, we said, this is like the sexploitation version of Carol, but even that is selling it short. For real. Yeah, yeah exactly. So, and that's, it, you know, Dirty Uncle Lloyd made this movie. Dirty so Uncle like, Lloyd. Or he's involved in it, I guess, because it was Gershani who directed it. I believe so, yeah. Yeah, but I think he, yeah, he, um, Uncle Lloyd helped write it, yeah. I believe. So, and he, I remember he, um, he even commented on our Instagram post about it. And he was he's like, like oh, this is our vertigo. This is our vertigo. And I, at first I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? And then I, I got thinking, I was like, okay, it's been like five years since I've seen vertigo. Let's think about it. And I'm like. Okay, I, I can kind of see it. That's okay, fun. but the part the parts of Vertigo I remembered, I was like, "Are you sure?" It's like, did you hit your head a little bit? <laughs> exactly, because I'm remembering all of the like intrigue and all this stuff, yeah. and I'm like, "Oh no, it's the whole like doppelganger thing." Yeah. Okay. Okay. We. Okay. Yeah. I get it. But yeah, at first I'm just like remembering these scenes where I'm like, "Oh, like the," because I, I watched it in a film studies class, so we talked about all these different things like 
the motif of the the woman's like the bun in her hair and when they're in the gallery like all these all these things and it's like yeah what the fuck but then as yeah like i said as i started thinking about it more it's like okay i think i kind of see where you're going with this right but yeah love sugar cookies so good <laughs> uh my number two mm-hmm. is it was my favorite movie until i saw a certain other movie mm-hmm. uh but I absolutely will die for this movie. It's Dawn of the Dead from 1978. I love this uh, I told one. a story about how I saw this, where, like, <laughs> they wouldn't rent it to me at the video store, so I kept going back. Mm-hmm. And, um... Until you found someone who was just, like... Didn't care. Didn't give a fuck. Yeah, because it had the huge, like, not suitable for children sticker that right. Blockbuster slapped on it. Which seems so quaint now. <laughs> oh, my God, yeah. Like, you could watch this, like... It's like, oh, wow, this is less graphic than CSI kind of thing. Like, I, th- I think... Yeah, it's less graphic than CSI, and I, I feel like, I don't know, thematically, I, like, in, in my mind, I think, like, Coraline is a more disturbing movie, and that was, oh, like, yeah. made kind of for kids. <laughs> that's funny. So, that's and funny. I know decades apart, but, yeah, yeah I'm just, like, I'm, like, because, you know, Coraline isn't, like, graphic, but the implications, the implications. and it, it's, like, you know, sewing buttons in your eyes, that's scary. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's creepy, no, so, no. yeah. No, Dawn of the Dead, I would say, is a fucking masterpiece. Oh, I like, love it 100%. so much. It's so well constructed and there's this feeling of dread and unease mm. that goes through the entire movie absolutely that i i every time i see this no matter how long it's been or if i've seen it really recently it just it hooks me and absolutely like there's times where i've watched this or like when we were going to watch this for the show i'm like oh, i've seen this movie so many times you know right uh i'd like to watch something fresher and all that stuff and the second we hit play i was just like glued to like, the i'm here screen. i'm yeah. here yes i'm good it's a fantastic movie mm-hmm. and what's not to love yeah. yeah and this is another one that has that sort of that you know indictment of consumerism yeah, subtext good social commentary Absolutely. going on in this one for sure and i love it because the first time i watched it i was just like oh my god this is exactly like, they spend so much time going through the mall just like shopping but not yeah. having to pay i'm like this is what i would do so i'm just like oh my god i'm that bitch that this You're movie that is bitch. like <laughs> is like saying like why do you do that like you know what I, that, that's yeah. that they're pointing out i'm like oh it's me it's, I, I feel called out. <laughs> but yeah. I love this movie. <laughs> cool, cool. My number two is one of our longtime super duper faves is Excision. This one was on my list as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, or my original draft of the list. Yeah, like I, I was I was tempted to put it at number one, but I was kind of in a mood today. So gotcha. it's number two. This is an incredible movie. This is one that we're constantly slinging at our friends. Mm-hmm. Isn't it? Like, oh, God, what did we watch? We watched something, and then it's like, oh, we need something to cheer us up. And we watched Excision afterwards, and it's just like, oh, I forgot about how fucking, fuck. We did the fucking same thing. We watched The Woman, then we watched May to cheer us up with the same group of friends, and it was just like, oh. <laughs> yeah, no, we, we have um, an interesting, interesting way perspective. of... Uh, of doing things, but it, it, I think maybe we were thinking because it's so funny. It's we're like, oh, so it, it'll it'll lighten funny. us up, but it's really just like dark and disturbing yeah. too. And for a movie that seems so light and flippant at in certain ways, mm-hmm. there's so much empathy there that yes. like it, you have to. It, it's sort of almost like a subconscious kind of thing at first, but it's yeah. fucking there and definitely gives this movie a lot of heart in ways that you wouldn't expect. Absolutely. Yeah, it's 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 solid. Like we said, it's a long time fave. We saw it and we were like instantly obsessed with yeah. it. I've watched it so many times, recommended to everyone at every opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. We love Excision. We love Pauline. 
Pauline is a, is a hero. Yes. Pauline is our folk hero. Absolutely. Patron wow. saint of queer horror calls. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm into that. We need art done up. <laughs> um, okay, my number one is going to be zero surprise to anyone who has listened to this podcast with any regularity. It is the original 1981 Evil Dead. Hell yeah. Um, it's kind of hard not to put it at number one when we take my favorite movie and <laughs> include it in like the pool of, this is something we covered this year, right. so it could make the year-end list. Mm-hmm. Um, Evil Dead is just... It got me into Splatterflex, it got me into horror comedy, and it got me into... Well, I saw Return of the Living Dead before. I saw this by, like, a good decade, but it was one of those things where that was sort of anomaly for Mm -hmm. me, whereas this one really fermented it, or cemented that for me. Yeah, really firmly planted your feet in the horror genre, we're just like, okay, I'm here to stay. Yeah, but most importantly, this is what got me into the idea of horror filmmaking. Right. Like, this is the root movie that I point at when it's like, this is why I want to make horror movies. Mm -hmm. And there's so much about it that's just so impressive, like the shoestring budget, but the amount of inventiveness and creativity and sort of like independent spirit behind it is just absolutely inspiring. And it does all that while still being one of the most fun movies. Like, it's so in-your-face with the splatter, mm-hmm. and it just kind of never stops. It's a, it's incredible. I am so, so blessed to have finally seen this in the theaters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I'm so glad that it's, as the years have gone by, it's still, like, a fan favorite that mm-hmm. that's worth revisiting both as viewers, but also as companies that are putting out new and you know restorations, updated yes. soundtracks, like all these things, it's still so like it's such like a living text if you want to yeah. put that kind of term to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh... like it's not just it's not just an '80s movie. It's like it, it's like a just eternal movie. Yeah, it totally <laughs> is. It totally is. All right, what is your number one pick? My number one pick is Raw. That is an excellent choice. That was on my original draft of the, the list. I remember you said you telling me that you were like, "Oh, I put it. At, I put raw at number six. I think I'm gonna get it." And I, think I was I, like, "I put it at four. Yeah. Oh, sorry, that was it. Yeah. And then I was just like, "Number one." <laughs> it's amazing. It's so good. It's so good. And this is what I meant. I was kind of like in a mood today where I'm just like, it's one of those ones where the more I like. Every time I stop and think about it or just it comes up, uh, there's just so much going on there. And I remember, like, I loved it the first time I saw it, but I appreciated it maybe so much more the second time. Yeah. Where it's just like I, you know, the first time I was just kind of enjoying the movie. The second time I was enjoying it while also being like, oh, I'm making these connections. I'm getting getting this, like, subtext from it or this interpretation. And there's just so much going on. And it's so, like, relatable. And just, like, there's, it's fantastic. I love it so much. And... Yeah, that's that's uh like I said I'm in a mood, that's my number one today. I think that's a great pick. Um if no if you haven't seen it, it's like rush yeah. out and Yeah, see it's like how, how have you not seen it? Like please yeah. see it. So those are our top tens. Mm-hmm. Uh, that those are that's extended twenty recommended movies, but they are ones that we have covered throughout the the year on the podcast so if you want to hear more about them and uh, go on back to our back catalog because they're in there mm-hmm. and i'm curious um if anyone wants to share what any of their sort of top movies that we've covered yeah in the yeah, last yeah. year I'd, I'd love to hear yeah i'd love to hear if you're like why the hell didn't you include like 
Miss 45, you said it was one of your favorite movies or <laughs> something. Or maybe there's one that we were like not super hot on that you're like, what are you fucking talking about? It's the best shit that you covered in the entire year, you dumbasses. Yeah. So yeah, I, I'd be, I'd like to hear sort of other people's takes. Yeah, I'm surprised, to I'm surprised them. at what didn't make my list. Even I know. though, like, at the onset when I was writing it down, doing the long list, I was just like, well, that's obviously in, like, the top five, and then didn't even cut the top uh, ten. Right? I know, because we each did a list of 20 and then kind of pared it down. And there's so many on here that I'm, I, I have it in front of me, and I'm looking down, I'm like, oh, like, there's there were so many almost, and so yeah. many, like, we could we could probably, you know, list off, like, uh, easily another 20 just, like, honorable mentions or something. Oh, totally. But we're not going to. No, we're not we're going, going to. We're going to, to, to Show some restraint. restrain ourselves. Um, yeah, so, well, thanks to everyone who's stuck with us for the year. Or even if you just joined us very recently in this first year, we yeah. appreciate you too. Thank yeah, you so much. Yeah, you're on the ground floor. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you're a ground floor investor. Yeah, that's, um... Of your attention, of course. I, I, I feel kind of, like, lucky to be able to have put this out so consistently mm-hmm. and keep at it. Um, it's like we've said before, it's a great way to sort of bond and watch these movies together. Cause we're, we're sitting there watching movies all the time anyway. Like mm-hmm. this is a cool way to really sort of take them in and then. Yeah. And like do more with them beyond yeah. just viewing, which there, of course we still watch stuff just, just to, for the sake yep. of viewing it. Like we, you know, I don't want to just feel like all the movie we watching we do has to be this regimented, like yeah, scheduled, exactly. you know, I don't want to have to do anything Yeah, that takes the enjoyment out. But that being said, it's. This is enjoyable, and it adds so much more to the experience for us. Yeah, for sure. So we're happy you're along for the ride. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for tuning in. Mm -hmm. Um, If you haven't and you're feeling generous, maybe go on and uh, give us a rating on iTunes or... Stitcher. Anything like that. Wherever you happen to listen to us from. Uh, tell a friend, you know, do do whatever to, to spread, the, spread the word. It helps us out so much because, like, we don't pay for advertising. We don't... Um... We're, like, just completely winging it with our quote-unquote marketing yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> on social media and whatever, so... So far, it's largely been word of mouth that's, yeah. like, kept us going. Or and word so... of tweet. Yeah, word of tweet. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> yeah, so um, if anyone's willing to, to sort of keep spreading the good word, that would be fantastic. Um, most appreciate it and i guess looking forward to what the next year of content can bring because Mm -hmm. uh, we're not slowing down yet so that's cool so thank you so much for taking it easy with us and keeping it sleazy hell yeah thanks guys